for us tonight. Second uh, Corinthians chapter number six. Go ahead and turn there. And when you find it, if you don't mind, those that can, let's stand together in honor of the reading of God's word. Second Corinthians chapter number six. Look down to verse number one. I'm going to read about four verses. We'll pray and let you be seated. And I promise not to keep you any longer than the Lord would have us to tonight. Hope to encourage you a little bit uh, during the message and just pray God's will be done during the invitation time. Uh, I'm going to take Brother Decker's advice and prop up on this pulpit tonight uh, so my arms don't fall off. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look down to verse 1. The Bible says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in, a day, uh, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. And there's a lot more things that he lists there, but we'll stop in verse 4 tonight for the sake of time and pray. Father, thank you for the great day we've had together. Lord, what a blessing Christian fellowship is. Thank you for the encouragement, Lord, of these missionaries and the great heart they have to go and do what you've called them to do. Now, Lord, help us have a heart to, to do what you would have us to do and helping them get to where they need to go so they can see as much fruit as possible, Lord, abound before you return. Bless tonight the preaching of your word. Bless the invitation. Give us, Lord, what we need. Help us be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A while back, something happened to me that has happened many times before, and it's something probably uh, all of us can relate to just a little bit. Uh, my wife sent me into the grocery store to get something for a family that was coming over to have dinner with us after the service, and uh, I forget what it was, two or three things that were probably only going to cost uh, about maybe 8 to $10, maybe $12 with inflation the way it is right now. And so uh, she gave me a $20 bill. And as I got ready to get out of the car, she says, here, take this as well. And she gave me another $20 bill. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to need that. I think it was a bag of chips, a two-liter Coke, and some hot dog buns or some uh, King's Hawaiian buns or for some sliders or something like that. She said, just take it anyway. My wife knows me well. Uh, when I get into a store, I often find things that she didn't know that we needed, and I bring them home to our house. Oftentimes, they are of the candy variety. And so I went in there, and lo and behold, I got to the checkout counter and began putting the things that were up there. And uh, I've discovered a wonderful chip called Takis. I enjoy Takis. They're very good. They'll burn a hole in your esophagus, but uh, they're still very good while your, your esophagus is intact. And I forget what else it was, uh, Coke Zero. I think I needed one of those and got an extra Coke Zero and put it up on the counter. She loves Diet Dr. Pepper and Reese's, so I got her one. I couldn't get something for me without getting something for her as well. And so I'm benevolent that way. And got her something, and I'm sure got my daughter something as well, and the lady rang up the total, and she said, that'll be $39.27, and I had the biggest Cheshire Cat smile come across my face because she was right again, and she usually is right, and the lady says, what are you smiling about? I says, well, my wife knows me well. She sent me in here for $10 to $12 worth of stuff, but she gave me $40, and lo and behold, the total is just about exactly $40. I also and go into stores and I often end up getting way more than I need. Here's the sad truth. Many times, as in this case, I'll go into the store and I will come out with all of these things and lo and behold, 
the very one or two things that I went into the store for, I actually forget to get. And I don't come out with those things. I have to get another $5 from her to get those things. We, we were leaving, coming here the other day, and my daughter forgot one of her jackets or her cardigans. And uh, we were in the car. The car was cranked. And she says, oh, i got to go run back in and get my cardigan. So she got, got the house key, ran back in, opened the door, went in and came out with several different things. And my wife says, where's your cardigan? She goes, oh. I forgot it. I'm so thankful my daughter has the same problem that I do. Uh, most likely she got it from me. But isn't it amazing how easily we get distracted? That as we go about to do the things we're called to do and things we have to do on a daily basis, how easy it is for us to get distracted from the mission and the reason for which we were about on that day. Now, I hate to tell you this, this happens in the church as well. That we all are busy, aren't we? We are as busy, I think, as we've ever been before. Uh, we've become masters of micromanaging our lives and filling in every little moment with something we have to do. And we get home and we fall asleep at 6.30 and hit the ground running the next day with many things that we have to accomplish. We have to work and earn a living by the sweat of our brow. Our children have to go to school. Uh, our kids have gymnastics and they have uh, all kinds of things today. Karate classes and uh, piano lessons and all of those things and a lot of those things we have to get done. But oftentimes I find that in my life, as I go about my daily routine and business, that sometimes the things I am to be about often get left behind. I get distracted away from the reason for which God has placed me here. And I want to think about that tonight as we look at this idea in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. If you're not careful, we'll go throughout our day and our Christian life, and I don't know how long you've been saved. I've been saved the majority of my life. But sometimes, even as a pastor, as a preacher's son, as a pastor's son, uh, my ministry and my service to God will go from a meaningful service to a very mechanical service. To where I'm going through the routine. Yes, I have to get up. I have to be at church. Uh, one of the most hectic days of our week is Sunday. Everybody looks forward to the weekend except for the pastor's family. Why? That's the one day of the week that we work, right? Yeah, go ahead and laugh and say, that's what everybody laughs at. I told my church the other day, the next person that says that, I'm going to throat punch them uh, because that's the busiest day of my week. And sometimes you feel like you put in 40 hours uh, just in on a Sunday afternoon. I'll get up and I'll go to church and we'll have our Sunday school class. I'll teach, shift gears, get behind the pulpit and preach, go home, prepare for Sunday night, get ready to preach again, and, and then come home and fall asleep on the couch. But if we're not careful, we'll go about a service that is more mechanical than meaningful. And we forget the very reason for which our God left us here. And as we look at our theme of making a difference, can I tell you, that's why we are here. We are here to make a difference. But if you're not careful, you'll get in the mechanical Christian life of checking all the boxes of things you need to do. We've got missions conference this week. You'll be here Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right, mission conference is over. What's next? And you will have missed the very reason for which this week was all about. I'm going to tell you, I'm very guilty of that. I mean, our life is ministry. It is, you know, 80 hours a week. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will stir my heart and say, don't forget the reason you're here. Tonight, I want to look at a very simple thought, if we could. And uh, I got to keep my time. My keeper is running. I can tell the clock is running on the meter tonight. Uh, tonight, I believe, as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is giving a church a reminder for which the reason they are there. 
Tonight, I want to preach on the subject of remembering our reason. Our reason that God left us here after we got saved. Look, I would have loved to have gone on to heaven and not had the worries of the life we're living in right now. But the reason our Father left us here is to make a difference. And tonight, we need to remember why. We need to be challenged from the Word of God for which why our Father left us here. There's three simple things in chapter 6. Let's look at them if we could. Look down to verse number 4. We're going to start there. Paul says, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Now, here's what's interesting. In verse number three, he tells them what they should not do. Give no offense. And we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to start tonight with the reminder he gives them in verse four of what they are to be doing. Now, listen to me. I'm an independent Baptist, all right? I've been an independent Baptist just about all of my life, and we are very good at knowing what not to do, all right? Uh, we have lists, and we compare our lists about all the things that we are not to do. And look, I have a list. I'm sure you have a list as well. But let's not neglect the things we are supposed to do. Watch what he says in verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Notice that. In all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. The first reminder that I want to see tonight, notice number one, he reminds them of their mindset. He reminds them of their mindset of who they are. When I was a teenager, <clears throat> my dad didn't let me ride with teenagers. If I was going to be riding with a teenager, I was going to be driving, okay? And when my dad, when I would go out the door of the house, my dad would look at me and he would tell me this, son... Don't forget who you are and what you are. I knew as I walked out the door what my dad was about to tell me. Who am I? I am Jeremiah Andrews. I am the son of Barbara and Jack Andrews. That is who I am. He says, but don't forget what you are as well. You are a child of God. And as you walk out these doors today, I want you to walk out with the mindset that you're an Andrews and that you are also a Christian. And that as you leave the doors of this home, you leave it as a representative of both of those things. Do you know many times as I was away from home, and opportunities would arise for me to be a part of something that did not accurately reflect who I was or where I was from. It was the words of my father burdened on my heart that kept me in line. Do you know what he did? He reminded me of my mindset. Do not forget who you are and what you are. Look what Paul is doing in verse 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, in all things, approving ourselves as the minister of God. He says, never lose sight that who you are is to be a minister of God. You are a representative of Almighty God. And God has left you here to minister His will and His word to others. And as we go about our life in the church... Don't get into this mechanical worship where you forget the mindset that you are here to minister and to make a difference. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I believe we have lost track of the mind of Christ in the church today. I believe we've lost that. What does the Word of God say? Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be also in you, which was in who? Christ Jesus. Do you know why he's telling them that? Get your mindset right. Do not forget how you're supposed to think. Now, here's what's amazing when you read Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But listen to what it goes on to say. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation and took upon the form of a what? A servant. 
and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, there's a few words I want to jump out to you real quick. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He made himself a servant. He humbled himself, and he became obedient. Those are four of the hardest things for mankind to do, to make ourselves of no reputation, to become a servant. The Bible says that he became obedient even unto death. How did Christ do that? It was because of his mind. Let this mind be in you. His mind was set of who he was and what he was there to do. Can I tell you why we have trouble being a servant? Our mind is not set. Christ's mind was set. I'm going to become a servant. Do you know why we have trouble becoming obedient? Our mind is not set. That's why he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You've got to have it there first, whether you call it your mind or your heart. That's where all things stem from. For out of the heart, the Bible says we believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is he saying? Get your mind set. Don't forget who you are. <clears throat> years ago, my sister for her birthday, I'm talking about years ago, my sister's three years older than me, uh, I think she was probably nine or ten, she got a birthday present, and the birthday present was a goat. Uh, why my parents got her a goat, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure if she wanted one, or maybe uh, they just found one, and it was save money, you know. Pastor's home, you got to do what you got to do, right? So my sister walks around the corner of our house, ninth or tenth birthday, and there's this goat standing there. My mom and dad took one of the paper birthday cone hats and put it on the goat's horns. It was cute. <clears throat> we named him Billy. Not very creative, but that was his name. Billy grew up with our dogs. We, had, we lived in a dirt road on 120 acres in the country of Jeff Davis County, Mississippi. And our goat, Billy, grew up with the dogs that were there. It's just no joke. I'm telling you the truth, okay? I tell our people all the time, I'm not going to lie to you behind the pulpit, all right? I may lie to you in the parking lot, but I'm not going to lie to you behind the pulpit. Billy would chase cars when cars came in the driveway. Here comes the UPS man. The only people who ever came to the end of our road were Jehovah's Witness and UPS. That's the only people who ever came down our road. UPS man would come down the road. Here's the dogs <laughs> chasing the UPS man, and right there along with them, here comes Billy. Meh, meh. And he's chasing the car. Now, for us, it was normal. After a while, we just got used to our goat chasing cars. The UPS guy found it comical. You know, he would ask, does he bite? No, he does not bite. And Billy was a pretty good goat. Well, after a while, he began to grow and to get strong. And he began walking up and down the roads with the dogs, walking up and down towards town. So my dad says, we got to slow the goat down. So he put a long leash on the goat and tied the leash to a cinder block, an 8 by 16 concrete block. One day we get a phone call, a phone call that you never forget. A mile away, there was a local skating rink in our little town of Carson. The owner of the skating rink asked my dad, do you have a goat? Has anybody ever asked you that? <laughs> Ask why before you answer. He says, there's a goat up here with a pack of dogs, and they're chasing cars. He says, this goat has a rope around his neck, and he's dragging a concrete block across our parking lot. Thank the Lord I couldn't drive yet. My dad had to go get it, because if I could drive, my dad would have said, you go get it. Here's this goat, and he's acting like a dog. He's grown up with dogs. He's chased cars with dogs. And now he's there in town at the local skating rink chasing cars because he thinks he's a dog. What happened? He got it in his mind. That's what he was. 
And now he is living out in his behavior that he's a dog. I wonder tonight, is that why we as Christians are not acting out in our behavior as servants of God? And verse 4 says, ministers of God. Acts 17, 2, the Bible says this about Paul. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them a three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Notice the Bible says, as his manner was. That means as his mindset was. Why was Paul always doing what Paul was doing? No matter how many times they tried to kill him, he was always presenting the gospel. Why? His mind was set. He understood that he was a minister of God. Can I tell you something? Your behavior will follow when your mind is made up. It will follow. The problem is we try to trick ourselves and we try to manipulate people to obey what God has for them when the problem is they've yet to make up their mind. Now look, I understand these little kids, you know, we'll give them a sucker when they, when they have to go to the doctor or something like that. But every once in a while, we ought to grow up as Christians and not need for God to have to manipulate us to do His will. We're doing it because that's who we know we are. We are the ministers of God. First Chronicles chapter 28, what an amazing passage. You ought to read it when you get home. David is speaking to his son Solomon about the time where he will pass off and Solomon will carry the work on. I want you to listen to what David tells him. Know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Know thou the God of thy father. Now here's what's very important about this passage. This is right before he tells them about building the temple. What did he tell him before he says build the temple? He says serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Here's a dad telling his son, son, before you ever start building, get your mindset. Understand that you're serving who? You're serving the God of thy father and you're doing it with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. I believe this with all of my heart tonight. You change your mind, you'll change your manners. Change your mind, and you will change your manners. I told you last night, I'm an LSU guy, don't hold it against me. I rode in the back seat with a dear brother today who had an Alabama hat on, and I had an LSU hat on, and we didn't hurt each other. That just shows you both of us are men of God. We walk with God. It was just great fellowship. It wasn't even a Paul and Barnabas that we, you know, that we, we rode in different cars on the way back, and we didn't separate. It was great. Man, I, look, I married into an LSU family. I really did. You know, I'm from Mississippi. I kind of pulled from Mississippi State, but didn't really pull for anybody to begin with. And my first Christmas at my mother and father-in-law's, we're opening up gifts, and this is great because now when you get married, you get double the gifts. <laughs> you got two families now. That's like awesome. And so I'm opening up this big old box, and it is the brightest yellow and purple pullover hoodie thing you've ever seen. L-S-U. I'm like, well, thank you. Appreciate that. That'll go over well back home. People ask me, I told the missionaries today, I says, how can you be from Mississippi and pull for LSU? It's because I go home with her. I don't look like an idiot, do I? I have to live with her. I don't have to live with you. I'm going to pull for the team of my wife. Now, it's my team now. You come in my office, I have an autographed Joe Burrow football, and I have a, a 1985 Orange Bowl jersey hanging in my office. It's my team now. But it took a while to become my team. When you walk in my office, you see LSU stuff in my office. It's my team now, but it took a while for me to change my mind. 
Now when you walk in, there's no doubt who my team is. Why? Because my mind has changed. You see, you change your mind, you change your manner. If tonight we want to be greatly involved in making a difference, the answer is changing your mind. And you think about missions differently, and you ask God to change your heart about this subject of missions, suddenly your mannerisms will change. Number one, the reason that they were here, Paul says, don't forget, you're approving yourself as the minister of God. Now here's something that's quite interesting to me. Could it be that when we get verse 4 right, we won't commit number 3? What do you think about that? The Bible says in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Do you know it's easy to be offensive now? I am offensive when I'm not even trying. I hope I haven't been offensive since I've been here, uh, but it could happen. People get easily offended in today's society. It is just sad that we are living in a constant culture of complaint. I mean, that's what we're living in now. But as a Christian, the Bible says, giving no offense in anything. Could it be tonight that we wouldn't give offense if we just obeyed verse 4? To make sure that when I go out there today, I have to approve myself as the minister of God. I have to show the lady at Dollar General who rings up my order wrong or gives me my change back wrong. I have to approve to her that I'm the minister of God, a minister of God. Do you know if we went out to prove that, it would be far less offensive. Do you know when I offend most people? Most of the time that I offend people, I'm usually trying to prove something else. Think about it. A lot of times I offend people when I'm trying to prove myself right. A lot of times I offend people when I'm trying to prove something I want. But boy, if I'll go into it each and every day to realize today when I go out, I've got to approve that I am a minister of God. I don't represent Jeremiah Andrews. I represent Almighty God. When I go out today, no matter who hurts my feelings and the temptations for me to get in the flesh around someone, no matter what happens to me today, i got to have the mindset that my mannerisms have to reflect who I belong to. And Boy, I tell you, I don't know how it is in your life. I have to get that right every morning that I wake up. Because sometimes I think the devil attacks me in my sleep. Does he attack you in your sleep? You wake up with an attitude and you're mad at your wife, or you're mad at your husband, and you don't even know why. They're like, what's wrong? I don't know, but I'm sure you did something in my sleep. You don't know what it is. The devil has messed with us in our sleep. And boy, that's when we bring our body back into subjection and say, hey, I've got to have the mindset that I have to approve myself as the minister of God. That's who we are. Folks, can I tell you, you'll make a difference when you remember what your mindset is. We're not here to build a kingdom. We're not here to stack up riches and wealth. If God blesses you with it, use it to his glory. Hey, there's a lot of missionaries here. They need to get where they're going. Use it for his glory. Years ago, <clears throat> I went and saw a pediatrician until I was 21. I believe when you find a good thing, stick with it. Amen? I had a brother. He's always, I still have a brother. He's always shorter than me. And so I would take him in the pediatrician's office with me. And that way, when they called my name, I'd say, let's go. And we'd go in there. It was really for me, all right? I paid enough, you know, for goodies and stuff that it made up for it. It was a good even swap. And Dr. Merritt was my pediatrician. <clears throat> I saw him not long, but even before I got married. Dr. Merritt told me something in, in uh, his office one day. I was already preaching at the time. And he says, let me tell you something about myself. He says, I am a Christian that just so happens to be a pediatrician. All right, look, I'm in my 20s. I'm not real smart yet. I said, come again? 
He says, I am a Christian that just so happens to be a pediatrician. I'm like, well, good for you. Amen, amen. But I didn't get what he really meant until later. He wasn't a pediatrician that just so happened to be a Christian. He was a Christian first that just so happened to be a pediatrician second. So here's my pediatrician preaching to a young preacher boy already. He says, don't forget your mindset. You're a Christian first. Can I tell you, when you, when you go out into the world tomorrow, don't forget you're a Christian first, and you're called to do what? Approve yourselves as ministers of God. Make a difference. We're not there tomorrow to live our life. We're there to live his life, number one. He reminded them of their mindset, but then watch this. You look down. <clears throat> he says, verse number three, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in what? All things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Sunday mornings, I get it to my office, uh, and I go in, and I close the door. I have a pair of noise-canceling headphones I put on my head, and I click them on. That way, when somebody knocks on my door, I don't have to answer it. I feel if I hear it, I feel obligated to answer it. I feel bad not answering the door. So I'll put on my noise-canceling headphones, and I'm getting locked in and getting ready for Sunday school and for church. Uh, I have to get my mind right, okay, before I, I get into there and get my heart right. I pray, I walk out the door, and here we go. It's time to go out and do what God called me to do. 11 o'clock every Sunday morning, up on the platform, getting ready to preach. But do you realize I'm not just approving myself and getting that mindset at Sunday mornings at 11? Notice what he says in verse 4. But in all things, all things. He said, well, I'm not a pastor. Well, oftentimes we think, all right, it's Sunday morning, uh, it's Sunday night, it's Wednesday night. I gotta, look, I've got to make sure I have the mindset of a child of God. No, the Bible says in all things. So what's the second reminder tonight? Notice number two, he reminds them of their moment. He reminds them of their moment. Oftentimes we think this is our moment. Man, I got I to get my tie on and get ready. My wife panicked when we got to the room the other or yesterday because she says, I packed your suits, I packed your shoes, I packed your socks, but I didn't pack your ties. I sure hope they match. She has very little confidence in my matching ability. You know, I told her, look, I started as a kid with that little block shapeshifter thing, you know. I know how to match it all together, but uh, I got myself dressed and I'm ready to go. Do you know it's more than just tonight? Do you realize it's more than in just this building? When the Bible says in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, it means tomorrow when you're at work, hey, that's where you're supposed to do it. Young person, when you're at school tomorrow, that's where we're supposed to do it. That's the moments that we're missing. I hate to say it, but our best work is done inside these walls. Our best representation of a Christian is done inside these walls. Do you know this, this is probably when it does the least good? The lights are on in here. Boy, they're shining in here. That world is where they need to see the lights burning. That's the moments. Years ago, one of our neighbors had a heart transplant, and it just amazes me that God has given mankind the technology to take a heart out of someone, put it in someone else, and start it back up again. just blows my mind. The local paper there in Prentice, Mississippi, the Prentice Headlight newspaper interviewed this man, and they says, tell us, what brought you through this? How did you have the faith to be able to get through this surgery knowing that you were going to be all right? And I thought to myself, here it is. You were just given an opportunity to hit a home run over the wall for the witness for the cause of Christ. He says, well, I don't wear my religion on my shirt sleeve. I thought to myself, you missed it. 
There was a moment, there was an opportunity to approve yourself as a minister of God and that you belong to God and this miracle was of God. I just don't wear my, my religion on my shirt sleeve. Folks, we think about that tonight. We think, how horrible is that? Will you be, probably be surprised at how often we miss those moments in our life? Right there, look, I was in Dollar, a Dollar Tree the other day. I love Dollar Tree. They are so smart, aren't they? It's Dollar and a Quarter Tree now, but you know, I love the Dollar and a Quarter Tree. And there's one down the road from our church, and I'll go down there, and, you know, everything's a dollar and a quarter. It's just great. And uh, I, I still spend 40 bucks, uh, but I get more stuff when I go in there. And they have, I love gummies, man. They have aisles of gummies. I take them back to my office, and kids will come in and get jelly beans out of my office. And I was standing in line at Dollar Tree the other day. A gentleman in front of me had a Ziploc bag, and the Ziploc bag had coins in it. And uh, All of a sudden, he put something on the counter. I looked. It was a miniature Bible, just a miniature little Bible. And he was digging in his, his, his Ziploc bag to get money out to pay for this miniature Bible. And I, I told the lady, I said, look, let me cover his Bible. Hey, you can have that as a gift. I said, hey, I'm the pastor of Central Baptist Church. I gave him a gospel track. I said, if you're ever in our area, I said, you stop by, I'll give you a whole Bible. And he says, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Went on about his way. I come around the corner and I pass a little creek. He was standing on the edge of the bridge and he already had the Bible open and he's reading it. Oh, that's great. That's just wonderful. This guy's reading his Bible. I went on about my way and got about a mile from the Dollar Tree. I was about half a mile from the church. And the Holy Spirit says, you missed it. You missed it. I put him right in front of you. He's right there. He's buying a Bible. You talk to him. You know how you know, the Holy Spirit can be pesky, can't he? I get back to the church. I get back to my office. I'm a whole mile away now. A whole mile away. Holy Spirit says, there it was. There was your moment. I says, are, are you going to leave me alone about this? No. <sighs> get in my car. This is horrible for a pastor. Getting a Bible, get back in my car. And so now I am stalking a man who's walking down the highway. You know, dun, 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 dun. he's coming up there. I'm coming up behind him in my car. And I'm thinking, he's, he's, he's going to kill me. So I texted my wife. I says, I'm in a sharp curve by Sweet Pepper's Deli. If I don't come home, I'm witnessing to a man. Look, if you're going to go, you might as well go in the line of duty, right? <laughs> I already told her, I want somebody playing bagpipes at my funeral, amazing grace. It just makes it even more spiritually patriotic, right? So I pull in, he's sitting at the bus stop, I says, hey, me again, you're like, creeper alert, this guy has tracked me down. I said, hey, look, I, I got to thinking about it, and I was trying to act all spiritual, you know, not that, hey, I really didn't want to come back and talk to you, but Holy Spirit made me. No, I come back and say, hey, look, I really got to thinking about it, and I wanted you to have a whole Bible, and I brought you this whole Bible back. He looked at me, caught me off guard. He goes, is it a King James? I said, yeah. He said, that's the only kind I read. It's like, all right. I pull in there at the bus stop, sit beside him for a few minutes, began talking to him. I said, what's your name? He says, just call me English. Just call me English. I sat there and talked to English about his soul. He says he was saved and on his way to heaven. Had a great visit with him. Almost one of those angels unaware of things. You're thinking, was this a test? Did I pass? All right, gold star. I did it. I did it. All right. Second try, but I did it. Here I was as a pastor standing in line at a Dollar Tree and almost missed a moment. Well, God, I got to get back and prepare to preach on Sunday. That's the moment. God, I, I got to teach Sunday school. That's the moment. No. What does he say in verse 4? But in all things, approving ourselves as a minister of God, every moment is our moment. We are here for what? Such a time. This is our moment. 
I look at our world, it's falling apart. I get bad news all the time. You ever get PTSD from a cell phone giving you a text message? You don't even want to look at it sometimes because it's bad news and bad news and bad news. And we're living in this world. I'm thinking, Lord, who did you send? Where's the D.O. Moody? Where's the Charles Spurgeon? Where are those men? And the Lord says, tag, you're it. We are it. We are here for such a time. This is our moment. Can I tell you something? I ran track as, uh, in, in high school when I was in public school. Before I went home school, I ran track. And uh, I was pretty fast for a white boy. I'll just put it that way. But uh, get out there and run the 100 meters. And I used to love to run track. And I ran the 4x100 relay. You people who run marathons, something's wrong with you. <laughs> you know. I mean, <laughs> we were joking about that in the car today. Inside joke. Anyway. I would run the 100 meters, and every once in a while, I would get the anchor leg. You know, when you get the anchor leg, you're the fourth man running in that race. And whether you're ahead or you're behind, it is on your shoulders to finish that race and win for your team. I believe we're very close to the end of our race, don't you? I believe Jesus is right around the corner. I don't think we have very long. Could it be we're on the last lap of this thing? I believe we are. I believe down through the ages, boy, you had the prophets, and boy, you had the disciples, all these folks, and Paul, and the great preachers of yesteryear, and that baton has been passed to you and I, and we are here for such a time as this. This is our moment. But watch, we've got to have a mindset that's right. But then, we've got to realize the moment is right all the time. I heard somebody say this the other day, I've heard it many, many times in my life, you can't witness to the wrong person. You can't witness to the wrong person. This is our moment. This is why we are here. And if we don't see the opportunity that God's placed in front of us, we're going to miss it. Uh, I was talking to Ms. Abigail before church, and I was asking her about which illustration to use. I said, do we talk about a frying pan or do we talk about a goat? All right. So we already talked about the goat. So she says, talk about the frying pan. So I want to tell you a quick story about a frying pan. Uh, I don't know much about frying pans other than my favorite foods often come out of them. Uh, we were at Disney World years and years ago, and we're sitting at a restaurant, and they brought out a blueberry dessert and put it on our table in this, this pewter frying pan. Now, I, am, I don't have an affection for frying pans, but I thought that was the cutest frying pan. It's made out of pewter. And so the lady came over. I asked her, I said, ma'am, I know this is going to sound strange. Can I buy this frying pan? She says, uh, and weird look on her face, uh, no, sir, we uh, don't sell our frying pans. I said, I really would love to have it. If your manager would sell it to me, I'll buy it from you right now. It's a pewter frying pan. Well, a few minutes later, my daughter is sitting there uh, on her chair, and we're eating our food, and the lady comes out, and she says, Sir, you have a question about a frying pan. Yes, I'm the guy. That's a question about a frying pan. She says, What is it? I says, I'd like to buy it. She says, I'm sorry, you can't buy that. I said, Okay. I just wanted to ask to be sure. A few minutes later, my daughter, a little clumsy like her dad, falls off the bar stool she's sitting on and hits the floor. Immediately, Disney workers come over. Woof, they're coming over. Would you like some ice cream? Would you like some chocolate milk? Is there anything you can do for us? I said, look, look, we're not the type. We're not going to sue you. She's clumsy like her dad. She fell off the chair. She says, no, sir, look, we really want to do something for you. Is there anything in the world we can do for you to make this feel better? I have a sin nature like you do. <laughs> Boom. I really do like that frying pan. She says, one moment. A few minutes later, she comes out from the back with a beautiful, cleanly washed pewter frying pan. Says, 
Mr. Andrews, we'd just like you to have this. I said, like, as a gift? He said, yeah, we just want you to have that. Thank you very much. That frying pan's in my office till this day on the right-hand side of my shelf. My sister-in-law is sitting there, and she has several kids. She goes, oh, well, I wanted one. I said, kick your kid off a chair. <laughs> Can I tell you why I got that frying pan? I saw my moment. I said, there it was. Here's what's sad. We see our moments when it comes time for a raise at work. We see our moments when it comes time for advancement in our job. We see our time for moments to go and be a part of hobbies. But how often do we miss our moments when it comes to the will of God? We are here to make a difference. And our moment is always approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Folks, I want you to understand the moments are all around you. But you've got to be aware, hey, this is why we are here. Number one, notice the mindset approving ourselves notice the moment number two in all things finally here's the best part you look down to verse number 10 the bible says well you look down to verse number three four five all these things were approving ourselves in this in distresses in tumults in labors in watchings and fastings in all things he gives us a list of what those all things are but finally we get to verse number 10 the bible says as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. You need to see the greatest reason right here. Don't forget our reason. Don't forget our why. This is why we are here. You've got to have the right mindset. You've got to understand this is our moment. But finally, notice the motive. He reminds them of their motive in verse number 10, and he does it in one word. The Bible says, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making what? What's the next word? Many. Can I tell you what our motive in making a difference in missions is all about? It's about the many. That's what it's all about. You need no greater motive tonight than to realize there are people over in Germany, people in Uruguay, Australia, all over the world, there are many who've yet to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that should motivate us, it's that, that there are many who don't have what we have. There are many tonight all over the world who aren't able to come and be a part of a church like you are. Listen to these statistics, if you will. In the United States of America, 87% of people have a Bible. And yet 50% of marriages end up in divorce. 87% of Americans have a Bible in their home, but 69% have alcohol in their home. 87% have a Bible in their home, but 47% view pornography on a regular basis. Well, I tell you, you look at what's going on in our country. You look at how things are heading downhill. Yes, they may have a Bible. Yes, they may have it sitting on the coffee table. And yes, there may be a little dust on it, but I'll tell you something. There are many yet in this country We've yet to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They're everywhere. I promise you, you ran across someone that was lost today. Paul says, church at Corinth, don't forget your motive. The motive is many. Now, what does the word many mean? I'll give you this and we're going to close. The word many means more than some. Here's our problem. We get easily satisfied with some. I've done some of the will of God. I gave out some gospel tracts. I came to church sometimes, and we are satisfied with some, and that's why there are so many who are still doing without the gospel of Christ. 
We've got to have the greatest motive on the planet. Matter of fact, what does John 3, 16 say? For God so loved the world. God looked down from heaven and he saw the entire world, past, present, and future. And Jesus Christ left the portals of glory to come down and die for you and I. Why? He said, because there are many who are going to spend eternity in hell if I don't go. Do you know there's going to be many who don't hear the good news of the gospel? A clear presentation of the gospel of Christ if we don't make a difference in this area of missions. I was talking to the brothers today. He's talking about Germany, and I haven't been to Germany. I've flown over it. It's kind of funny. I'm, I was five miles from it, but it was five miles straight up. You know, you couldn't just pull over and see Germany. So we flew over it once. He was telling me how Germany is so far down the road past where America's at today. Can I tell you, if somebody doesn't intervene quick, there are people they are going to slip off in Germany. They're going to slip right off this earth in Germany, and they're going to spend eternity in a devil's hell if we don't, aren't motivated by the many. We've got to be motivated. This brother's going to Hoover, Alabama. You're thinking right there in the buckle of the Bible belt. You know why he's going? He's motivated by the many. Here's our question tonight. Are we motivated to help them reach the many? Maybe tonight here's our problem, and I'm done. It's our mindset. We forget that we are here to approve ourselves as the ministers of God. We are living in a self-indulgent society where we approve ourselves, self-comfort, self-care, self-confidence, self-reassurance. No, I'm not here to do anything for self. I'm here to approve myself as the minister of God. Can I ask you tonight, is your mindset right? Have you set your mind to make a difference by realizing I am here to prove myself as a minister of God. And one of the best ways you can do that is through missions. Is your mindset right tonight? Or number two, have you got to the place to realize this is your moment? This is it. This is your time. You and I are just like Esther. We are here for such a time as this. Now, it's a scary time. It's a burdensome time. It's a fearful time. But you're, you and I are not here by accident. Don't believe it what they tell you in the textbooks. You and I are here because God purposefully wanted you and I right here for right now. You know what will motivate you? Realizing this is my moment. This is my moment. This is why I'm here. I had a burden on my heart today, a very heavy burden, probably one of the greatest burdens I've ever had in my ministry. is still there. And I, my dad is in my church now. My dad um, left his church, came and serves at our church. Boy, what a blessing he is. And even though I'm his pastor... He's always going to be my pastor. And boy, my heart was broken about the burden that I have right now. And uh, I wanna, I'm going to ask you to pray for that, if you will, over the next few days. And um, I'm sitting in my office on Sunday night in the chair. I have two chairs in my office. My dad sat across from me, and my dad took my hands and put my hands in his hands. He says, I can't carry this for you, but I'm going to carry it with you. He says, this is what God has called you to. We can't run away when it gets hard. Now, folks, your burden and your calling may not be my burden and my calling, but you've got one, and it's yours, and it's for right now. And your father wants to take your hands in his hands and say, listen to me, this is why you're here. This is why he created you when he created you for such a time as this. Now is your time. This is your moment not just here in Hartsville, but around the world through missions. What's our motive? Well, ask God to give you a burden for the many. The many who don't have what you have. 
than many who don't have a Bible. I watched a group of people in Uganda, Africa, fight over Bibles, fight over having a page of the Bible, and yet how many of these do we have stuck under the seats of our car? There are many who have yet to hear. There are many who are going to die lost without Christ. Have you ever thought about the fact that people are really going to hell? Have you ever thought about that? People are really going to go to hell. It's a real place. There are people there now, and there's people you know right now that are going to spend eternity in hell if you and I don't get motivated about the many. Yeah, we may have to become poor to do it, but all the opportunity to make others eternally rich is worth whatever it will cost us. I wonder what it is tonight that God wants you to remember. Is it your mindset, your moment, or your motive? Whatever it is tonight, I wouldn't let anything keep me in my chair from finding out the will of God tonight at an old-fashioned prayer altar. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ, you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. I wouldn't walk out those doors tonight without knowing for sure that heaven's my home. Oh, what a difference could be made in your life tonight. But boy, if you're saved, there's somebody waiting on you to remember the reason you're here. Whenever our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a few minutes, let's stand to our feet.